Best Book Bits podcast brings you a special guest today, my personal trainer, Dr. P.T. Pete. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me on the show today. First time doing something like this, so yeah, really exciting. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, first time, first time guest on the podcast for my audience. I just want to share some people that played a massive role in my life offline because I run an online business. So offline, Dr. P.T. Pete is my personal trainer. At the moment, we are running a nine-week challenge. So we're just going to get into some of the stories. Pete, tell us a little bit about your origin story, whereabouts you're from, and how did you get involved in health? So yeah, a little bit about me. I was born in the Philippines. So yeah, I was born in the Philippines, just north of Manila. Grew up in Australia, though, here in Victoria. And yeah, so growing up, just fell to sports as a kid. Always wanted to try to fit in. I was also the odd one out here in regional Victoria. And and yeah, playing football as a kid really helped me find that passion for health and fitness. I feel like yeah, that's where it all began when I was around 12 years old. And then hitting the gym then really helped me yeah, find that passion. But yeah, as soon as I finished high school, saved up to do my PT course. I always knew I wanted to be a personal trainer since I was a little kid. And then yeah, whilst I was at uni as well, just worked as a personal trainer over the last six years. Um, which sort of brings us to this point now. Awesome. So re- recently you just became a doctor. Can you tell people uh, why I call you Dr. PT Pete? Uh, what is the doctor title? Yeah, I just finished my studies now. Actually, just finished six years of university. I've done a year of biomedical science at Victoria University. Uh, from there, I've done five years at RMIT, which is the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology here in Melbourne. And yeah, so I just, done, just finished my double degree. And now a fully qualified osteopath, which is awesome. Congratulations. Then how did you start in the industry? So when you finished school, yes, you were studying, but how did, what did you do? Like first jobs, where did you work? Was it gyms or what was it? Yeah. So as soon as I finished, obviously high school, I completed my PT course. That took about maybe a year, just over a year to complete. So I've done that through my, whilst I was doing my first year of university. And then over the five years of studying osteo, I was working as a personal trainer at multiple gyms. My first one was at a place called F45, Functional 45. So that was more of like a group fitness sort of style gym. Um, I did that for about two to three years to begin with. And then I transitioned to another gym called Body Fit Training, where I'm still located now at the same time as I'm running One Body PT. Yeah, One Body PT just grew through my passion for personal training. I really wanted to do something where I can really personalize and help people on a more personal level instead of like a group fitness setting. So yeah, really just started up One Body PT and now I've been helping hundreds of clients around the world sort of with their fitness journeys. And it's been really good, really successful. And I've learned a lot along the way as well while still my own thing. So it's my first sort of time venturing out of my own, doing my own thing. So yeah, it's been really good over the last three, three years. Cool. Thanks for cheering. I know we spoke offline a little bit about this, but what's the matter with the F45 model and why do you think some of those things don't work? Can you expand on a little bit about the F45 model? Yeah, when I first started off at F45, I guess it was good. It was good to, to initially just to start learning about different exercises. And I was able to be exposed to lots of different people and how they move. And I was able to assess it and just really apply what I was learning from uni initially to my work. But I just find that, yeah, there was just a lot of, not a lot of sort of science behind the training, in my personal opinion. And there was just a lot of, a lot of plyometric work and just, it wasn't really my type of, yeah, my type of training that I enjoyed. So I slowly sort of grew out of it and I wanted to venture out into something different. But uh, yeah, I just found that, yeah, just the training itself wasn't what I wanted to coach at that time. So that's why I transitioned out of that one. It's nothing wrong with F45. It's just doesn't fit the style of what you were learning at university. Was that correct in terms of some of the applications of the methodologies? Is 
Would that be correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, it just wasn't when I was learning at uni and all the progressive overload type of thing, like all the progressive overload and how to train properly and get people moving. It just wasn't, um, it was just clashing with, yeah, with my sort of ethical beliefs, I guess, and my morals, I guess. And just, yeah, that's why I decided to join BodyFit Training, which is another sort of franchise, which is a group fitness franchise as well, where it's a little bit different in a sense with their training, a lot more strength and conditioning, which is what I love to do. And which is why, yeah, which is why I was transitioned over. So let's jump into osteo. So a lot of people don't know what an osteo is. So can you explain in a short summary of what a doctor of osteo is and how? That- yeah. So in Australia, an osteopath is, yeah, we help with neuromuscular, neuromuscular skeletal conditions. So anyone that's in pain or say you come in with a low back, back condition that you've had for a few months or a few years, we'll assess it diagnose and treat that yeah we really help people get moving we have a really holistic approach to things so if you've got a shoulder problem for example we'll assess sort of the neck assess how everything's moving how the thoracics are moving as well it's not just localized at that one spot we really want to make sure that the body's moving as a unit and as a function so yeah here in australia yeah that's what we do i know in america and other countries an osteopath is a different title they're known as like actual physicians so whereas here in Australia, it's, uh, yeah, it's more yeah, directed at neuromuscular skeletal conditions. How was that knowledge side with your one-on-one clients as well? I know from personal experience, you actually started coaching my wife first before me, and you're currently now doing an osteo session a week with my wife and a personal training session a week with my wife. So how does those two knowledges combined into the, the functional movement, as you call it? It goes hand in hand. Like with osteopathy, it's all about movement and getting the patient moving. And I feel like with personal training, it's really, it's all about like exercise. Like all the science shows that exercise is the one thing that's really going to help someone get stronger and better and feeling, feeling better more long-term. So it really ties hand in hand. There's without, yeah, without your exercise, like manual therapy with osteopathy will only have its effects on a short-term basis. So it's really important to understand that um, we need to be integrating some movement, some exercise in there as well. So I'm really lucky that I'm able to mix the, both of those together. And I'm really, yeah, really lucky for, or really blessed, sorry, to have to study what I have in the past. And yeah to integrate into my personal training. Yeah, awesome. And one of the things that you've taught me as well, like I'm currently got a, a groin injury and normally people would say, rest up, don't move, don't walk, but you actually come from a different angle on this. Can you talk about how you encourage people to actually move with their injury instead of resting and recovery and what the difference is between that as well? Yeah, man, yeah. from a clinical setting, I think back in the days, a lot of healthcare practitioners may have been taught that if you got an injury like your groin, for example, that you need to rest it, let the body heal itself and just not try not to move it too much. However, going through the last five years of university, they've just really drilled into us that it's actually the opposite now. Like it's all about getting the person moving as quick as we can, but obviously managing their pain and managing injuries to make sure you can still live the lifestyle you normally live, right? So you don't want to just be bedridden all day and not moving because that will then just create like a psychosocial factor with your pain as well. And we don't want that. I guess it's, yeah, it's really important to keep moving. If you do have injuries, obviously if it's pretty severe and it's causing you a lot of pain, go see someone about it, but just making sure and understanding that it's not about, yeah, just resting all the time. It's really important to get moving and to rehab it as quick as you can, but also managing it as well. Definitely important as well. Let's change tracks a little bit at the moment and talk about some of the online misconceptions that people have with the fitness industry. The fitness industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. You've got social media now, you've got guys and girls claiming to be personal trainers, doing challenges, putting up a whole bunch of stuff. 
Can you talk about the misleading information on social media that we see a lot and just talk about some of the trends? That- yeah, we chatted about this the other day with social media. Anyone can really post anything. You don't know if they're an actual personal trainer or what their backgrounds are. But essentially, there's just so much information on social media nowadays that are just that are just very misleading. I find that a lot of people may, yeah, may fall for those tricks. And people turn, I guess, like influencers really make things, they make things turn out to be more complex than it actually is. For example, they might say, I'll oh, do these six ab workouts to get a six pack where with myself, I know that to get a six pack, like it's just all that you got to lose your body fat percentage and really drop down that body fat mass. And to do that, most of that will just come down to your nutrition. You can do a million sit-ups in a day and you probably still won't have, have a six pack at the end of the day. You can't really target where you lose your fat in your body, which is something that a lot of people think they think if i just do upper body workouts i'm going to lose fat in my upper body but it doesn't really work like that we can't tell our brain where to drop fat and stuff so yeah there's the idea this is, that's one one sort of um one main one that i find a lot is just yeah just misleading information that people put out there on social media yeah the other one i see a lot of is must you exercises as well what do you know about oh you, you must do this exercise to achieve that can you talk a little bit about that yeah, I see this all the time. People say, yeah, you've got to do these three exercises or these four exercises to get these results. But it's not as simple as going from A to B. Like, it's all about being comfortable with what you're doing. There's three things that I normally tell my all my clients when we train. One of them is what are the moving patterns that we, or what are the moving patterns that are we trying to achieve here? What muscle groups are we trying to train as well and target? And are you comfortable and able to go through your full range of motion whilst doing these certain exercises? So it all comes down to personal preferences. Obviously, exercise selections is really important, but when you're just starting out, it's just all about getting moving. There's no really muscle exercises. Unless you're in a sport, for example, like powerlifting, where you're going to squat 300 kilos or deadlift 300 kilos, then if that's your sport and you're trying to train towards, that's a little bit different. But just for the general pump, and if you're just trying to just get fit and just get moving, there's no sort of muscle exercises. It's yeah, all about what you're trying to target, be able to target that muscle efficiently without fatiguing and taking it through its full range of motion. ROM, what is that? I hear that term quite a lot as well. So minimal fatigue and full ROM. What, is, what does full ROM mean? Yeah, man. So I don't know. It's more so like your range of motion, how you're able to take a joint or a muscle of your body through its range of motion. So for example, if I'm doing like a shoulder press here, am I able to go all the way up above my head or am I, is there something that's stopping me from doing that? Is that like, aren't you able to get the most out of that exercise? There's probably other exercises that you can do that you're probably able to get more out of. Like a bit, a bit of analogy is probably like a squat, for example. Instead of doing like a barbell squat where there's so many variabilities, so many factors that could go wrong, you could just do a leg press and get the same outcome because you're doing the same movement pattern. You're just pressing, right? It's just a lower body push. So you're just pressing with your legs, which is what you're doing with a squat. Whereas a lot of people think you've got to squat to get stronger in my lower body. But remember, squat is, for example, like a power lifter. That's what they do for their sport. So there's a lot of better, better ways to get the same result is what I'm trying to get out there. Yeah, got it. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Let's switch gears to the healthy habit side of things as well. So as running a health challenge at the moment, one part of it is getting the body moving. And then the second part of it is what do you actually put in that small little mouth of yours too. That, that's that's the biggest results as well. And we had a little short conversation offline before as well. And we don't recommend people to do two hours of exercise at the gym. We would actually recommend to do one hour of movement a day and spend an hour in either the kitchen, grocery shopping, cooking a meal, or even 30 minutes, 30 minutes movement, 30 minutes of cooking and meal prepping, whatever it is. Can you talk about the importance of 
just getting that healthy lifestyle of movement and food and nutrition and making sure they're balanced up. Can you expand on that a little bit? Over the years of being a coach, the one thing I've seen people do over and over again is they try to train a bad diet. So what they think is they do mega hard at the gym. They'll train for an hour. They might do two sessions a day and eventually they're just overtrain, right? So they're putting their energy and channeling their energy in the wrong part in a wrong aspect of, of their health and fitness. So it's really important to have a good balance with your training. It's good to train. If you're efficient, if you go to the gym, you get what you need done, you follow your program, you're in and you're out, that's your session done. But a lot of people just neglect their preparation and how important nutrition is with their journey. I feel like, if, especially if your goal is to lose body fat mass and just to shred down, lose a few kilos, then it's important to really put your nutrition at the forefront. So instead of spending two hours in the gym, I always tell my clients, spend 45 minutes, spend 50 minutes, spend an hour, but you don't want to be doing double sessions or going too hard. You'd rather spend that energy in the kitchen, preparing your meals, because that's really what's going to help you lose that fat if you're in that calorie deficit. Well, yeah, I like how you said, can't train, out train a bad diet. And I've heard that one before, but I've been guilty of that for the last sort of 15 years. I've got no problem with training, no problem with waking up early, no problem with lifting the weights, doing the programs. But the easiest thing I could have done was spend more time in the kitchen instead of more time in the gym. Because they say a six pack is created in the kitchen, not in the gym per se. A part of the challenge that we'll go through as well. So we are doing a nine week Kickstarter challenge. It's kicking off next week. So we're anticipating this to kick off. January 7th, and we're doing another opening date, which is Feb 1st. So just a small little plug now, halfway through the podcast. If you want to kickstart and get a jump on your health as well, you'll be working with Dr. PT Pete and myself over nine weeks. It's a nine-week program where the first three weeks, we'll slowly do it for you. We'll do your program individually as well, and then we'll watch you do it, and then we'll teach you how to do it. So at the end of the nine weeks, You've got those healthy habits that can set you up for the rest of 2023 where you can do it by yourself as well. So it's that time of the year, which is called New Year's Resolutions, and everyone's on that health kick now. I was at the gym earlier today. It's January 2nd where we are in Australia right now, and the gym was absolutely packed. But I can tell you a lot of those people will start dropping off in the first couple of weeks because they don't have that accountability and that motivation as well. Do yourself a favor. Click the link below. Let's jump on a call with me and Pete and jump on the nine-week program as well. But just a segue from that, Pete, as well, people doing these challenges, what are the, some of the struggles that people have when they start a challenge and they don't finish it or they don't put those habits into place? Can you deep dive a little bit into how habit formation is very important and accountability as well? Yeah, it's all about accountability. I feel like people always start off strong throughout these challenges. I've been doing these challenges for, yeah, the past, past six years now that we get really good results. You can get really good results when you really put, you dedicate this, this time, for example, these nine weeks to to get you to where you want to get to. And a lot of people just, I guess they drop off. They think they just come up with excuses. Of really like, they just feel I've got this coming up or they have, they might have one bad day and then they're just like, oh, I'll have the rest of the week off and I'll start next week where it's really important to have that account accountability. And that's where I come in as a coach, where yourself comes in as a coach and we can really help people get those results and just guide them in the right direction. Or when people have questions as well, I feel like if you don't have anyone to fall back on, if they might be stuck on something, it might be exercises or it might be any questions at all regarding nutrition or anything like that, or any tips and stuff like that. And people don't have the answers, they just eventually fall off. But I guess it's important to make this a lifestyle change or with training, it's all about, I'm all about making it more of a long-term sustainable sort of change instead of nine-week fix. So it's really about just creating those habits during the challenge to set you up for the rest of your life, really. That's really what I'm trying to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to plug one thing as well. I've been injured the last 
couple of weeks to a couple of months on and off with little nickels injuries, just because I couldn't train, it doesn't mean I couldn't have my nutrition on point. So my nutrition still could have been A plus, even though my training might've been D. So one of the things I was going through was, oh, just because I'm not training them injured, I can push it forward and eat shit for four weeks until I get better. And then I'll get my training and my nutrition back on par, meaning they both have to be A plus for me to get results where it's not true. You could be injured, you could be couch bound, bedridden, but if your nutrition is on point, you could actually get great results by not training or just minimal movement too. That's not ideal, but what I'm saying is don't let the excuse that you are injured or you can't work out be the excuse. I've seen results, I've coached people over the years with health and fitness goals, and I've seen some amazing results with very minimal effort in terms of the activity but very good understanding of the principles applied with nutrition as well. Can you talk about how important that is as well, Peter? I know we're banging on about nutrition, but is there any tips or tricks you can give people to say about how they can start getting their nutrition into shape instead of their body into shape? So give us some tips on how people can get their fridge and pantry into shape and what you would suggest with clients offline. The first thing that, that I usually do with every client that, you know, that initially contacts me is we run through all their goals and we also run through their maintenance calories. So a lot of people, when I talk to this about with them, they don't really understand what calories or maintenance calories are. So for those that don't know, basically say if your body burns, let's say 2000 calories in a day, or you say your maintenance calories is 2000 calories. If you eat below that, say you eat 1,800 calories, you're going to be in a calorie deficit. So over time, you're going to be losing weight. Like it's, there's a hundred percent, like you're going to be losing weight regardless if you're eating under your maintenance calories. But most of the time people are eating over the maintenance calories and they don't actually know how to calculate it. Like it's pretty simple. There's calculators online that you can use. The simple ways where you can find out what maintenance calories are and then understanding what your maintenance calories are, how much calories you can eat on a daily basis, and then just preparing your meals and food in accordance to those calories so they fit within your calories and your intake, your daily intake. Whereas a lot of people, they don't track what they eat or they don't understand that even in orange juice, for example, has calories in it. A Tim Tam has 99 calories in it. They might have five Tim Tams, that's 500 calories. People that just don't understand the power of preparing yourself and preparing your meals and then just you're really collaborating and putting together the exercise and nutrition together is probably the hardest thing to do. But once you've got, once you've got a down pat, you will see the results pretty much straight away. And some of the things is like low calorie, high density food as well. So a lot of people don't understand. And one of the analogies that you said there as well is good. Is there any foods you would recommend people to eat more of instead of eating less of? Is yeah, less saturated fats, eat more wholesome organic foods. Like I've, uh, me, my, my partner used to be vegan for seven years and we I've never been a vegan or vegetarian before, but we started eating heaps more veggies and salads and stuff like that. Most more uh, pretty, pretty recently we've done two weeks of being a vegetarian and I felt the best I have in a while. And I think that was just because even myself, I was eating way too much meat or proteins and I didn't have that balance. So having a good balance with your proteins, your fats and your carbs is really important. And I guess. A lot of people don't really understand what is, but that's where we can break that down with people. Even alcohol. So my journey with alcohol, I've actually been off alcohol for 12 months. So it's been one year this week that I haven't had alcohol and it's been game changing. So my whole relationship with, I would overtrain during the week, I would get my nutrition, but I might have a bottle of red wine, a couple of beers, some whiskey, and the alcohol could change the whole energy and balance. Can you talk about how important it is to watch not just food? 
but your liquids as well and how that can push your energy imbalance out where you might have every week you're doing, you're under the calories. So you've got 2000 calories as your maintenance calories. You're eating 1600, 1700 calories and you have one night on the drinks and that can push your whole week energy imbalance out. Can you talk about how you talk with clients about watching your liquids and what you would substitute instead of alcohol or sugary drinks? What would you recommend, Pete? That's a good point, actually. A lot of people think from Monday to Friday, they're, they're pretty strict. And then it comes the weekend. I hear this all the time. Like, I'm good throughout the week, but then on the weekends, I splurge out. And this is a very common sort of problem that occurs in the fitness industry. But to tackle this, I'd always educate my clients on looking at your calorie overview over a seven-day period. So don't look at it daily, right? So if you've got an event on, on the weekends, for example, like a wedding coming up, you know when something's going to come up, right? The week before, what you have to do is just make sure you look at it over a seven-day period. So for example, let's say 2,000 calories. So we know that's um, so over a week, that is 14,000 calories. Okay, so obviously, yep. I just have to make sure that was the right calculations there. So let's say that's 14,000 calories over a week. So what we can do is we can bake those calories throughout the week. Instead of eating 2,000, eat a little bit less throughout the week, really bake those calories. So that when it comes to the weekend, you can have a few drinks, but you just got to understand you can't just blow out. Otherwise, what you've done throughout the week is just point pointless. Yeah. So you really just start burning the candles at both ends and you can't really, you're not really going to get the results you want out of it. It's really important to, yeah, it's really important to yeah, not blow out on the weekend and just understand you're going to have that balance in between. With all, just a personal question, with all the clients you've trained over the years and doing body transformations after body transformations, what are some of the successful habits that you see great clients? So people that actually achieve the results and keep the results, what are some of the traits you see them do or what is some of the perfect clients that you've had and people can replicate those traits? And then the other question is, what would be some of the negative traits that you see people that they fall off the wagon? So first, Talk about some of the successes, successful traits that you see clients and some of the things that they incorporate into their daily rituals to achieve their body composition goals. Yeah, I feel like the ones that really get good results is the clients that are really consistent. So you don't have to have all the answers. You just got to be consistent with your training and just really, yeah, be consistent, turn it into a habit. So you don't want to just have that mentality of, I'm going to go really hard for the next six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it may be. We're just understanding that if this is going to be a long-term change, you got to just make sure it's more consistent. You don't go too hard, too quick. Don't, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So the people that understand that and understand and really invest their time into learning more, educating themselves and asking questions, reaching out for help is those that will have success for more long-term instead of just going hard and which is good, right? To put the energy in, but just for those that actually want to educate themselves and understand more, I find like those clients are the ones that get really long, good long-term success results. Yeah. And I guess I could answer the ones that don't get the results and they don't educate themselves. They're not consistent, they're not training and they don't turn it into a habit. So they, these rules are very simple and they apply for a lot of things as well. But getting back to the underlying issues, do you ever talk about what got someone out of shape and how their lifestyle got them to a point where they might be 15, 20 pounds, kilos, overweight, out of shape, don't move? What are some of the psychological things or what are some of the reasons that people get out of shape? That, anything that comes up for you, Pete, like why do we live in a society where 60% of people are overweight or obese and we live in this society where we're not healthy and we're not, can you talk about some of the reasons why? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that I guess there's a lot of things 
here in Australia, especially where people are working from home nowadays, a lot more people may sustain some long-term injuries or a significant injury that may initially stop them from training. And then I guess those bad habits just roll on for a longer period of time than, that, than the, what it should. I train a lot of mums as well when they've recently just had kids, they've put on a few kilos and um, then you've got people that are just too scared to start or it might not even be in their culture to train. Like I've got a lot of people here in the community that I live now where they've never trained before and they reach out to me and they always say, Pete, I've never done anything before and then you just teach them. But it's, uh, there's a lot of things that make that might contribute to people getting into bad shape, but I feel like it's never, there's never a right time to start your journey. I think you just got to pull the pin and do it. Like a lot of people might make, make there's a lot of people that make excuses saying, I've, I had an injury five years ago and my back's never been the same, but they haven't really done anything for, done anything to help that or, or get it stronger. And from my experience, your experience, when my wife was training with you and she's coming home results and feeling great. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to pay someone to get the results. So, the 50% of the result comes from when you make the decision that you're going to pay someone to help you with accountability and coaching to get that result, 50%. The 50%, the other 50% comes from actually being consistent, staying with the program, listening to the advice, applying the advice, doing the hard things first because the easy things come second. To get to the body composition you want, it's going to take work. But to keep that body composition, it's going to take more work. Sorry, it's going to take work, but not as hard work because you're going to have the habits, routines, disciplines, and education to keep it off as well. But basically, from where you are now, if you're not getting results, it's because you haven't made the decision, which is number one, and haven't paid to play. So that's number two. And then just following the advice through there. So just a bit of a tangent through there. But yeah, if anyone's listening at the moment that wants to start doesn't know where to start, this is your time. If you are listening to this, understand this could be a small wake-up call. We're not looking at working with people for 52 weeks. We don't have that bandwidth. We're running a nine-week program starting mid-Jan and one starting Feb 1st because some people are still on holidays as well. There'll be two groups. It's one-on-one coaching or one-on-two. You get me and Pete and we get you. It's not a group coaching. It's an individualized program as well. Whether you're a seasoned weightlifter or you've never lifted weights before, this is not about weightlifting. It's about fitting in with your lifestyle you have. I have someone who's a runner. They're going to run. I have someone who walks. They're going to walk. I have someone who's going to go to the gym. They will go to the gym. So whatever lifestyle you have, it will fit around you as well. So the biggest thing of what me and Pete are coming from at the moment is to help you kickstart 2023 so you can have the healthiest year ever because we're all about teaching people healthy habits as well Rapid fire question i'm going to ask you a couple of questions rapid fire whatever comes you do it so something people seem to misunderstand about you i'm a perfectionist so i feel like everything i do i'm going to make sure i do it to perfection that's probably my best trait but also my worst trait at the same time <laughs> what's your favorite thing about where you live me two dogs if you could have dinner with anyone who would it be it would be the rock one thing you can't live without Ice cream. One, what's one person who motivates you? My old man, my dad. What's your favorite escape? Training. Pet peeves? Pet peeves would be chewing with your mouth open. Favorite quote? My favorite quote, I use this one all the time, is, are you listening heavy enough? I feel like people just don't go hard or they don't understand that they're stronger than they actually think they are. Yeah, yeah, you tell me that all the time. What's your morning routine look like? Wake up, have cold showers, 
straight away. My alarm goes off 3.50 a.m. most mornings to start my day, only because my I'm going to be at work at 4.30 a.m. Cold showers, prepare breakfast, get dressed, obviously, and then usually head straight to work. What's your favorite productivity hack? Having Google Calendar and just having everything set in place, I think, just being organized. Just spirit animal. The year I was born was 98, so that's the year of the tiger. Is that the spirit animal? <laughs> okay, sure. Thanks for surviving the rapid fire questions. Can you tell people why they should join the challenge and work with me and you on this nine-week health challenge? Of course. I think by getting the results that we've gotten already with myself, yourself, and your wife as well, I find that I want to be able to connect on this online platform, which I haven't been able to do on a large scale and really help people really change their lives. And I really mean that when it comes to the health and fitness. Like I've dedicated my whole life now to to help people move better, educate people, get them out of pain. So my goal in life is to honestly help as much people, as many people as I possibly can. And over these nine weeks, they'll get to work with you and I. And it's really helped create those good habits and lifestyle changes to set them up for long-term success. And we'll be there every step of the way. And I can't wait to start working with the people that decide to get on this journey with us over the next nine weeks. Dr. PTP, thanks for being a guest on the Best Book Bit podcast. And there's my audience out there if this resonated with you and you're ready to do something about your health, click the link below and jump on a call with me and Pete, and we'll be happy to guide you through the next nine weeks to make your 2023 the most healthiest year of your life yet. So again, Pete, thanks for being a guest, and uh, we shall do a training session tomorrow, I think. Take care. I'll be to you soon. See you, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. Bye. Thanks, Mark.